Have you ever heard something and at the moment when you heard it, you said, I don't really believe it. I don't think it's that important. I can't understand it. It's not something, why, why would you say it? Um, you, know, you know, But then years later, it makes absolute sense to you. But in the moment that you heard it, it didn't make sense at all. Um, I remember sitting in a classroom when I was working towards a business degree, and I remember the professor saying, um, one thing you have to always remember is never forget what business you are in. Now, I remember <laughs> sitting in class going, boy, that's kind of a dumb statement. You know when you're young, you're, you're a know-it-all? <laughs> okay, it just happened to me then, okay? Um, but it was, it was one of those moments, say, why, why would you say that? Like, you know, if I, was, if I was to go into business, I know exactly what business I'm in. Why would you even dare to say something like that? But years later, you know, and, and, and by the way, this is in the day and age when, if, when you started a business, you did not have a technological threat to your business for something like 15 or 20 years. That whatever new technology was part of your business, whatever your startup was at that particular time, it was years before it got threatened. Today, when you have start a startup in any kind of technology, I think, I think the threat is within months of a new technology coming along and destroying what you've you know, spent so much time and effort and money creating. So it's a whole, whole different world. And in fact, many of you remember Blockbuster, okay? When we talk about remember what business you are in, Blockbuster is usually the one that everyone uses an example, you know? Blockbuster, you know, a big business, and, and died off because they thought the only way to rent movies was go to the local store and all that stuff. In fact, they didn't believe for a second that anybody would want to sit on their couch, hit a control, and play a movie. <laughs> Why would anybody want to do that? In fact, did you know at one time that Blockbuster was offered Netflix for $50 million and they turned it down? Okay, so many of us, when we talk about remember what business you are in, it's a very important statement. And as a church, as churches, uh, and as we're doing this series on We Are the Church, if there's one thing that is so vitally important for the church, it's let's remember what business we are in. Because when we forget that, we become something very different than the church Jesus Christ intended you know, for the world to witness. And you know, as we're doing this series, I want to um, kind of show you our mission grid, our mission vision grid in this next slide. And you know that last week we talked about our mission statement, love God, love others, change the world. Um, so as that slide is going up, we'll get to show you what our vision and mission statement are. In the center is our love God, love others, change the world. Now, if you're here last week, you know how much tension this particular statement causes me because when we unpack it, it's a very hard statement. It raises the bar incredibly high 
It demands something from each and every one of us to love God, love others, and, and that's the equation that changes the world. That's the equation that tr you know, translates to us touching people's lives in very, very important ways. And today we're gonna look at uh, you know, the first part of our vision statement that talks about reach, you know, touching other people, reaching out to other people. And that's kind of a daunting thing, but I'm going to do it through the lens of reminding us why we exist as a church. There's a lots of reasons that people are going to give us for reaching out. And there's a lot of reasons that people are going to say, this is why we need to be touching other people's lives. But at the core of everything that we do as a church is a really important thing called the gospel. Called the gospel. So I want to read a passage that um, is really powerful. Um, and before I get into it, I want, to, I want to talk a little bit about the context of this particular passage. Um, there's a man by the name of Paul who was an apostle of Jesus Christ, and he acted as a missionary and went into the known world at that time and starting all kinds of churches. And there, the stories of what he accomplished in a short period of time is staggering. Do you know the apostle Paul um, went to a place called Corinth, and he wrote actually four letters to the church at Corinth, we only have two, okay? But we know that he's written four, and we only have two, First and Second Corinthians in our Bible. Now, Corinth, at the time that Paul wrote, was known as the Las Vegas of its day. It was, um, had all kinds of uh, temple worship, had all kinds of sports worship. They had at least, you know, from what we can determine, a thousand temple prostitutes in the, in the temples at that time. Um, they had games that uh, rivaled the Olympics just north uh, in Katakalon where the Olympics first started. Uh, the, the, um, the sports games near Corinth were just as uh, energizing and, and exciting. Uh, temple of, of Poseidon was there. Uh, all, temple uh, emperor worship. Uh, worship, emperor worship was there as well. So it was just fraught with all kinds of, of worship and pagan celebrations and, and all these kinds of uh, rituals that uh, weren't necessarily moral and all. In fact, it was an insult in that day and age to be called a Corinthian because it, it implied you were a, a deviant of some kind. Okay, so um, we have, we have in, in the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul going to Athens. And to go to Athens was uh, really grieved the Apostle Paul because there was so much you know, philosophy there that it grieved him to go there. But when he was told to go to Corinth, he was actually afraid. There's actually in the text, it talks about him being fearful to go to Corinth just because of what was there. All right? So that's kind of like the context of, of 1st and 2nd Corinthians and just how dynamic it was for him to go into this city and to talk about Jesus Christ. So it's not, you know, for all intents and purposes, there's a lot of parallels to today that we can't deny, culturally speaking. 
All right, so let me, let me read um, this passage because this passage is one of those passages where Paul is reminding the church as he's writing to the church not to forget the business that it's in, okay? The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. Let me keep reading. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of the world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom... Uh, underline that line, by the way. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. Isn't that amazing? Just that passage, that, that line alone. He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. There's a real firming statement for me, eh? Right? It is foolish to the Greeks... To the Jews who ask for signs from heaven. And it is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. Let's go to the next slide, please. But to those God called to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of of God. The foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Now this, you know, this, this, this passage is very challenging because in that day and age, in, in Corinth, there was, you know, in, in, in the philosophy of the Greeks, right? It was all about wisdom. It was all about Sophia is the Greek word for wisdom. It was all about the Sophia. It was all about the cultic religions. It was all about, you know, here, here, let's, let's, let's philosophize about, about life and all its meaning and, and what, what that means. But here Paul is bringing it to the very central core thing about the Christian gospel, and that is the cross of Jesus Christ. Why is that so important? How does that demolish all the arguments? How does, that, how does that take away from all the philosophy and all the wisdom and, and, and all the signs and, 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 and all those kinds of things that we're always probing about? But the heart of it, you know, it's, it's about the greatest gift that God could give us as it relates to the greatest need we have as human beings. That if it's wisdom we were looking for, God could have easily managed that. If it was signs, you know, God could easily manage that. But if it's redemption, if it's reconciliation, if it's healing, if it's forgiveness, if it's a right relationship with God, if it's all those things that, that, that you know, faith talks about and brings about, the cross was the only path that could accomplish those kinds of things. But the cross of Jesus Christ is so vitally important to every human being. 
And it is the core message of the church. We can put on a good show. We can put on a good soup Sunday. We can put on a good, you know, community event. We can do all that kind of stuff. But at the very core, at the very heart of every individual that's in this room, you need Jesus more than anything else. And there's people in your life that you love dearly that you know need Jesus like you have Jesus. And it's such, it's such a, a, a difficult kind of message to proclaim because for many of us, we know the philosophers, we know the ones that want the signs, we know the ones that say, but what about, what about, what about, what about? And the reality is, is the, is, is the cross in many ways doesn't make human sense. But we, when we boil down to the real need, the cross is everything that God has ever promised to each and every one of us. Amen. You know, um, there are culturally, I want to I I talk about why the core message of the church can be so difficult. Because we're in, if, you may agree or disagree, but we're in competition. If I can say that. We're not, not necessarily in competition with other churches, but we're in competition with culture. You know, the world that we live in, um, the, the messages that continually get told to us, okay? I want to give you three primary messages that come out of culture, okay? And I want to make it very clear. None of these that I'm going to talk about are necessarily bad. What they are is not the whole story. They're not complete. They only tell part. They're not, they're not full. Um, and if you focus primarily on these three things that culture pushes us towards, it, it's going to bring us to a wrong conclusion. It's going to take us to a wrong ending place. Okay? So here, here are the three things that we get inundated by culture continual, and it becomes the competition that we're up against. Uh, we are, you know, when it comes to our core makeup, we are essentially born good. That everybody's just essentially born good. Okay? Um, not necessarily a bad thing. Okay? But, it's, but it, it doesn't tell the complete story. All right? It doesn't tell about, you know, the difficulties. What about, what about evil? What about the bad things that we do? What about those moments in our lives where we're not necessarily that good? Where does that come from? You know, okay, we may be primarily good, you know, if that's the way culture wants to push it, but that's theologically weak. Here's, here's why it's theologically weak, all right? When you are talking about everyone just being good, that this is the basic position that everybody comes into the world, it absolutely erases any need for forgiveness. It erases any need for repentance. It erases any need to get right with God. Because we just become people who, at one point or another, make a mistake. And again, if we're just people that make mistakes, we can fix it. We can correct it. We can go 
two chapters and just look up and down the rows of the self-help books and find the right book to get us back on track. And at the very core of our being, if we really work hard enough, we can get back to that state of being good and erase our past and what people did to us to drive us to be bad or, or all those kinds of things. Okay? But that's, but, but that's a big message out of culture, is that you, you, are, you are as you should be. All right? What do you think number two is? Our core purpose, to become self-fulfilled. Again, not necessarily a bad thing, but our whole lives is to be you know, self-fulfilled, whatever, whatever passions drive us, whatever, whatever it is that we think we need to become self-actualized and, and you know, we're wired in a particular way where we're going to see you know, the end point of everything that we're shooting towards and that's how I'm going to find satisfaction and purpose in life is when I become self-actualized, okay, or self-fulfilled. You know, and, and you know, I, there's something yearning inside of me. I just need to unpack it. I just need to find it. I just need to be directed by whoever. You know, that's our, that's our core purpose, okay? And, you know, uh, that may be well and good, but how many end up chasing things that really end up nowhere? What if there's something more to life than the nine to five? What if something that transforms the nine-to-five into something important, just not the nine-to-five itself. What if there's something more? Okay? Here's the, here's the third thing. Our core need is to be happy. Very few people are on a spiritual journey nowadays. Everybody is on a journey towards happiness. Now, If you were here last week, you heard me say that the core need of everybody is to be loved, that that is the basic need that every human being, regardless of time span or what generation or what decade or, you know, they lived in, every human being's basic need is to be loved. You do not hear that in culture. In culture, you hear you want to be happy. And happiness is what drives your desire to be loved. And if you are not loved in a way that makes you happy, then something's wrong with love. And, that's, and that's, those are the messages that are given, you know, being given. And, and, you know, and when the church says, you know, God isn't necessarily there to make you happy, That's, that's the message that gets communicated. You may have to give up some things, is what people, you know, culture says. Or you may, ha- may have to not think of yourself, but you may have to think of others. Do you really want those messages that the church is giving, you know, to touch you? Okay, so those, those are the things that... that that happened. Here's the core message of the church. If, if we're going to talk about core message, here's the core message of the church. That we are born sinners. And only through faith in Christ do we find purpose, forgiveness, and healing, which allows us to fully experience joy. That's the heart of the gospel. That's the heart of the gospel. That unless you understand 
your broken relationship with God and be healed of that and come to faith through Christ, you will always have broken relationships with others. That the relationship that drives all your other relationships is your relationship with God. And that's, uh, and that's the message of the church. When we talk about gathering together, when we talk about, you know, how, how we can help you live a better life, first and foremost, at the core of what it is that we reach out, is we want you to come to faith in Jesus Christ. That's, 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 a, 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 that's, that's the starting point. And sometimes we get caught up in, in arguments and divisions and, and this and that when, when we haven't even talked about the core message yet or what's so vitally important. We don't want to invite you to... By the way, I don't want to invite you to the church because it's a good show or whatever. You know, like yes or no or color of the room and, and new chairs and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's an invitation to a relationship with Jesus Christ by faith and faith alone. All the trouble we go through, all the, all the praying, all the you know, anxiety over a mission statement, all that kind of stuff, is so you will have in your heart a vital, live relationship with Jesus, first and foremost. Otherwise, all we are all we are is, is a social club. All we are is, you know, a community group. All we are is people who are giving to help others, but with very little to give to them that's eternal, that is going to transform their soul, that's going to change their lives in a way that makes a difference. That's, a th- that's the, the core mes- message of the church. Makes people uncomfortable? Yeah, maybe. But if we, if, if we say, you know, if, if we say that that message is not important, then think about the life of Jesus and all he endured, all he went through, all he suffered, everything, then you have to say that really was for nothing. That really was for nothing. All right? Um, so here's, here's the church's dilemma. Can I talk? This is the church's dilemma, and this is, this is part of the problem, is that reaching people with a core message that many believe they do not need or even want. Isn't that, isn't that the, the, the tension of the church? We're, we're getting all this, this messaging from culture. You don't need God. Um, you can self-actualize. You are born good. You're just a person that makes mistakes. You don't need to ask for forgiveness. You don't need to repent, right? In fact, when was the last time you heard culture talk about repentance? It's, it's, it's a long-forgotten word, that this sense in which we realize that before God, we're, we're, we're not perfect. That we're flawed human beings. That we're broken. That we need something more than ourselves and our self-actualization to fix it. That we need something supernatural. We need something spirit-filled and spirit-led. That we need God to intervene in such a way. Because I don't have the strength and only God has the strength to do that. And that faith in Jesus transforms our entire present, future, 
And guess what? Even your past. God is able to redeem things in your life that you could never redeem on your own. There is no answer to the deepest needs that you have greater than Jesus Christ. Period. Believe that with all my heart. Believe that with all my heart. And yet, it's such, a, it's such a tough message because so much in culture is telling us you don't need it. it does, it's not important. It's old-fashioned. It does away with, you know, we have evolved. Okay? So, what makes people come to a church in the first place, you know? Can I, can I give you three reasons why, in, in the years that I've been a pastor, it boils down to three, three simple things. And please forgive me, because they all start with H, okay? I'm not keen on alliteration and all that kind of stuff. It just happened to fall this way, right? God has a sense of humor, you know? Um, I didn't mean to, to put it this way. But there are three basic reasons that people show up at a church, Okay? And the first one is they're looking for help. They, they, they need help, right? And, and, if any, and if anything, you are going to uh, probably recognize that the church is under incredible stress nowadays because we are struggling with things that didn't always exist in the church, the difficulties that people are having um, the difficulties of life, everything from, from men, mental health, gender issues, um, uh, issues with, with, you know, love and relationships, issues with, like, things that just weren't necessarily on the radar for many, many years are now part of what the church is dealing with. And we're not always equipped to handle those things as well as we could or we should have. Okay? Look at... Look at do you know how many pastors have committed suicide in the last little while in the Christian community? Like big name pastors, I don't mean to put it like that, but have committed suicide. That's staggering. That is unheard of in, in, in recent memory. But people are looking for help, you know? They're not necessarily looking for the wow in church but they're looking at the how. How do I get a better? How, how can you help me? All of that. There's, there's, there's real tangible needs in our communities, you know? One of, one of the things about this church that I love about this church, and I'll, I'll be, you know, I have never been in a church where I could honestly, honestly say that if we um, left this community, the community would absolutely miss us. We are a vital part of this community. I couldn't say that in almost in, in, in any other church I've been in. But truly, the way this, this small body of believers you know, works within our community, it is absolutely staggering what we're able to do in this community. And I honestly believe we would be sorely missed when we left, if we left. And that's, that is really something um, we're very, we're, we're very um, helpful to the community around us. Now, 
The thing about help is that it doesn't always translate into spiritual vitality. A lot of people see the church as a place to help, but they don't necessarily stay, okay? It's one of the reasons I do not like the description of the church as a hospital, okay? It is to a degree, but if any of you love staying in the hospital, unless you work there... Okay, can we just put that caveat on it? Okay, I don't look forward to going in the hospital and make it my home. It's, it's like, how fast can you get me out of here? That's just a personal thing. If you like staying there, God, God bless you. Um, you know? But, but that's what happens. But many people will, will, you know, in a time of great need, will look to the church. And that's one of the reasons that people will seek out a church. We've had many people come through our doors. It doesn't necessarily mean they stay. Okay? Second thing is home. I could have avoided the H if I had simply said community here. People are looking for a community. But that's basically what it is. And the reason why I like home better, because it's just just better than community. Because community can be kind of abstract. Community can be sort of, you, you know, um, you can come in and kind of go, and nobody needs to know your name, nobody needs to know your... You can sneak in the back and, and, and run out and stuff like that. But there is a sense, a real sense of, of, of community. You wanted to be feeling like this is home. Like there's, there's people are going to know me, people are going to care, people are going to, you know, love on me. And, and if I do need help, I'm part of a community that's going to be right there for me. You know, home is a nice, like we're, we're, we're all family. We just don't live together. And all God's people said. <laughs> you were worried about where that was going, weren't you? <laughs> okay. And sometimes family, and, and you know, uh, the, the analogy, sometimes we get into fights. Sometimes home isn't necessarily a comfortable place. But please don't run. Nothing's more disconcerting when when people need home more than anything else and the thing they do is run. As I told you last week, we're going to make mistakes. We're not going to be there when you expect us. We're we're not going to always be, you know, on our best, right? Right? But what's powerful about home, what's powerful about the church, if the family loves you, they're going to say, I'm sorry. Church is not about, you know, everything being perfect. Church is more about being a place of reconciliation, a place of healing, a place of forgiveness, that what we say we have in Jesus Christ, we're expressing that to other people. That's home. And they accept this because we're part of the family. And it's a big part of, who, of who, who we are. And yeah, we love to see you grow. We love to see you change. We love to see you build your faith. We love to see you, all that stuff. But as you come in the door, as you are, we love you. And when we make a mistake, we're sorry. Didn't see it coming. Didn't, you know, maybe I, you know, a bit callous, maybe... You know, should have known better, all those kinds of things. But please, 
give us a chance. Give it, you know, same for all of you, because that's home, that's family. That's what people need, right? The third H is hope. You, you talk about a world desperate for hope. This is, this is the, the, third, the third H, okay? We are a place of hope. Um, I, you know, my, my prayer every Sunday um, when I get up here and, and, and do this is that you walk away with a, with a better sense of who God is, with a better sense of who you are in your relationship with God, a better sense of what it means to believe in Jesus Christ because it's not just a feel-good thing in the moment. It's about transforming your entire character, character to be like Jesus, to make the change and the hope that people are looking for in the world, to make a difference to our communities around the world, to make a difference in your relationship to the people that you love the most, and to give you hope beyond the circumstances that you're, you're, you're living with, you know? We talked about in, in our, our, our series on unlikely heroes that there's heroes in our midst all the time because they're going through things we can't imagine. And yet they're bearing it with such faith and integrity. And you're going, how do you, how do you, you, know, how do you live with this? How do, you, how do you get up every morning of the day? And how do, you, how do you manage this? And they say, my faith in Jesus is what carries me day in and day out. And that makes all the difference in the world. And because of my faith, this is not who I am. This doesn't define me for all time and all eternity. This doesn't, this doesn't write the last chapter of the book. You know, God's got that. And God's going to write the final chapter of the book as God sees fit. And I have hope in all of that, that God is going to use this for his glory, no, no matter what I feel like in the moment. Man, that's... That's, that's when the church truly becomes the church, is when and people see the hope of the message of Jesus Christ for their own lives, make that profession of faith, and what a difference it makes. When we talk about reaching people, I, I, I hope you have those three things in mind. That as you're talking to family, as you're talking to people, and as you're, you know, as you're communicating that to them about why you go to church. You know, we joked last week about, you know, walking out of your house and that dreaded question, where are you going? I'm going to church. Well, start the car. Okay? But this is why people seek out the church. Here is, when we talk about reaching out, this is how we talk about doing it. Jesus talked about go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Notice how Jesus talks about going out, making disciples, changing the world in that particular way. We talk about evangelistic impact, you know. Each one of you have relationships that you can talk to them about you know, invite them to church. You know, what, what is, is that really so hard? I love the Gospel of John because the brothers in the Gospel of John simply say, I, I think we've come across Jesus, the Messiah. And all they say, Nathaniel says, it says, come and see. I'm not going to give you the whole theological thing, but just come and see what a difference he can make. 
Local community impact, online impact. For, for, for those of you that, that have heard, you know, we do live streaming now. And it's amazing to me how that video component in our church is growing. And that's, that's really neat to see. And how much, how much that's actually built the community more. For people that are home and, and not able or they're ill or, you know, not able to be here physically... They, they join in. It's really neat when I get emails and people say, oh, yeah, that was a, a, a nice point you made or, or something like that. And, and I go, oh, they weren't even at church. But they listen on, online. We have, we have a dynamic missions ministry here at our church that's making a difference around the world, global impact, that we as, as, as a church of our size is making a difference, not just here, but around the world, you know? And we talk about, you know, we want to d- develop better strategic follow-up and follow-through. Why? Because we want to be able to make sure that people who, who come to the church and are trying to figure out whether this is an appropriate home for them, they get everything answered that they need and can make an informed decision. You know why? Because I think the gospel of Jesus Christ is so important that we need to be very clear about you know, why we reach people. Because as a church, we only have one message. And whatever the question, the answer is always Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this morning and to be blessed with everyone here and to talk about the core message of the church, that we really are only about one message. And as much as we, you know, enjoy so much that we do here, it is about Jesus. And Lord, as we look around in our own relationships, in our own people that we commune with, we all know somebody in our lives that desperately need the message of this morning. So Lord, as we continue to be a church on the move for you, may we never forget the purpose as to why we want to reach more people. Because we care and love so much that the greatest need and the greatest message and the greatest um, decision that they could ever make is a decision for Jesus. Lord, Ignite in us, in our hearts, a fire that burns in that particular way so that people see Jesus through us and are drawn to that so they too can know Jesus as well. So we thank you. In his precious name we ask it. Amen. I'm going to invite the worship team up to close us in one particular song as we ponder the message this morning. Also, we have a prayer room right beside the staff room. There would be people, if you want to pray about this morning's message, if you want to commit your life to Jesus, we would love to hear about that. I just, you know, I think that'd be a great opportunity to do that. I would love to hear about any decision you make this morning. Uh, You know, honestly, if you've made a decision of some kind this morning, I would love, I would love to hear it. I I would. Please email me and uh, I promise that I will pray for you. Okay? God bless you.